Compliance is a profession where people work tirelessly to make the world a better place. And there are hundreds of amazing and inspiring women who have helped the field develop into what it is today. Great Women in Compliance is part of the Compliance Podcast Network. So join Mary Shirley and Lisa Fine as they talk with women in compliance who are making a difference. Welcome to the Great Woman in Compliance podcast with Mary Shirley and Lisa Fine. We're on the Compliance Podcast Network along with many other compliance-centric podcasts. I'm Mary Shirley and today we welcome Mark Stanley, General Counsel at Fresenius Medical Care Asia Pacific. Hi, Mark. Hi, Mary. How are you? Well, thanks and you. We're really pleased to have you here today. Well, I'm, I'm very honoured. I understand that I'm the, the first... Uh, man to be appearing on this uh, on this podcast. I've listened to many of the other episodes, so I, I'm in August uh, company. So I'm very pleased and very honoured for that. Oh, thank you for being a fan, and congratulations on your premier male status. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Now, dear listener, I know you're very astute and you may be thinking, no, that doesn't sound like a great woman in compliance, and you would be right. So Mark has recently uh, moved into the general counsel role at Fresenius Medical Care in Asia-Pacific region after um, a a stint as uh, the head of compliance, chief compliance officer for the Asia-Pacific region. And the reason why I wanted to get Mark um, involved in the podcast is twofold, really. The first is that we cannot be wholly successful at um, holding the conversation of the advancement of women without involving our male counterparts. They are absolutely crucial uh, to the conversation. And secondly, when it comes to male sponsors, um, I think that they are uh, an aspect that we, we must um, consider. A, a lot of people enjoy having female role models and female sponsors in their lives, um, but I wanted to showcase someone who has been a true cheerleader uh, for women um, in all the time that I've known him. And so, Mark, I, I really can't think of a better example um, of um, a, a male boss who has been so supportive of me and of our Um, other colleagues, including the women in the department. And so that is why Mark is on the the podcast today. So Mark, your story is an interesting one. You had quite an unexpected career before arriving in the world of legal and compliance. Tell us about your background and journey to uh, where where you are today. Um. Okay. Uh, interesting. Yes, that is that is certainly one way. Frustrating, I think it was for my parents, as it took me quite <laughs> a while for me to settle into any form of a career. Uh, I started off convinced that I was going to become the next greatest chef. Uh, left chefing after a few years in that at exactly the point when being a chef was the coolest thing you could possibly do. <laughs> I, moved, I moved from that into various jobs in advertising and marketing and found those far too cool as well. And I settled into a career in law, doing perhaps the uncoolest thing possible and following in my father's footsteps. Uh, I qualified as a solicitor back in 2000, just at the turn of the century, which for the millennials amongst us, it makes us feel, makes me feel tremendously old. Uh, but that came on the back of being a paralegal for a few years up to then working mainly around the criminal environment and some very, very uncivil litigations for lots of domestic violence and matters such as that, which was very important work to be doing. But as a, as a beginning lawyer, it was uh, it, it certainly set the scene for quite some uh, conversations that I had to have later in my life. Uh, since I qualified as a solicitor, I moved over into 
um, into the non-contentious world, acting mainly for corporates. Uh, I worked on M&A activities, as most people do. Uh, general non-contentious work. I then moved into being an in-house lawyer for a reinsurance business. And I moved out to Asia uh, just almost a decade ago, focusing on risk and compliance and legal. As you said, I'm now the general counsel for uh, Fresenius in Asia Pacific, which is for those of you, I know Fresenius has come up a couple of times during the course of your of your series. Uh, we are an organization currently known for two things, being the world's leading provider of dialysis products and services, which is a great thing. And also, we've just settled a, a many years long investigation by the SEC and the DOJ into uh, issues arising, fortunately, before I joined um, Fresenius. Now, prior to being the general counsel, as you mentioned, I, I helped build the compliance function in Asia Pacific, really to show that Fresenius was taking compliance very, very seriously. And I was very proud to have you as one of my team members. So uh, thank you very much for having me back, if you will. Oh, thank you for that, Mark. I appreciate that. Well, going into our um, substantive questions now, uh, Harvard researchers have looked into something they have coined the daughter effect, which is that men who have daughters hire significantly more women than those who don't. Firms with improved gender diversity deliver better performance and higher profits. As someone with twin daughters, what are your thoughts on the daughter effect and how you believe this may have influenced your management style? Yeah, I I read those surveys as well and those studies, and they you know seem to describe an environment where where men with daughters create a more liberal, less sexist, more diverse environment for their for their uh, workforce. Mm. And I think that would imply that generally they're all round better in being balanced in terms of recruitment. Mm -hmm. I know I know from my perspective. I have no doubt in my mind whatsoever that I want to have the best person for the job. I've got no doubt that the best qualified person is not a gender-specific role. It is somebody who can do the job and do it very well. And there are multiple facets to that. But one of the things which I take from my daughters is recognizing that anybody can achieve anybody can succeed it is it should be a completely flat playing field and i recognize that when i see anybody walking in through my door it is no there's no um i hope and i really do hope that there is no gender stereotyping that goes on and i don't think that there is amongst everybody anybody else i know who has daughters who have significant female influences in their lives I think the the uh, the recognition is at a very very early age, that uh, the very very early part of your career, that uh, that what counts in success is success, uh, ability to achieve, and if you can ignore any of the previous uh, history that has unfortunately dogged the the working environment for so long, uh, you'll get the right person. I know right. that when my I'll just crack on for a moment. When my daughters were born, they were both very, very premature and they battled with the illnesses and the ailments that they had for 15 weeks or so before they were released from hospital. And throughout that period, there was nothing about what they were going through that was gender specific. It was all about their fight for life. And they 
succeeded based on them, not on them being male or female. They succeeded on their merits. And I think that was a message that uh, has stuck with me personally for quite some time. And I think it exists in everybody who has uh, who, who has young children um, who have a moment of diversity and anybody who sees their daughters competing uh, with boys of the same age. Yeah, absolutely. That was a, a good story. Thanks for sharing that one, Mark. What do you think uh, is the role of men in compliance, if any, to advance women in the community? I think that we need to ensure that there is a level playing field. I think it's not just men, by the way. I think it's, it's yeah. women as well. We need to ensure that there is an entirely level playing field. Uh, I remember reading Sheryl Sandberg saying uh, that in the future there will only be leaders. There won't be women leaders. There will be leaders. And I right. think that is 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 the, the, the takeaway for me, that all we can do is, is give ensure that we give the level playing field and the right um, fair environment for people to succeed. And I think it doesn't have to be, I'm not a big fan of positive discrimination. I don't mm-hmm. really feel that that gives anything other than, um, an un, it's not even really an unfair advantage. I think it's something which devalues the success yeah. of those people who do succeed. And I think what we what we do need to do is to make sure that we look beyond the sex and into the skills and ensure that that level playing field gives rise to the right right people reaching the top. I think that makes sense. I'm in agreement with you there, absolutely. As a former employee of yours, I can only say good things about your management and support of me. Uh, and you probably won't remember this day, Mark, but I remember uh, receiving my first invitation to speak at a conference when working for you in Hong Kong. And that day I ran into your office to ask if I could have the time to attend the conference and fly out to Singapore. And you were nothing but thrilled for me and have encouraged me the entire time I've known you. If I was to ask you to be mindful for a moment about additional ideas and initiatives that male managers or peers could put in place to support their female colleagues in compliance, what would you suggest? That's a very, that's a very good question. Just, just going back to the thing about the conference though, I, I'm a big, big believer in the idea that people succeed by standing on the shoulders of giants. So when you got invited to that conference, I was absolutely delighted because I could not go to a conference. I would not be attending. I would not be presenting, but I would be bathing in the reflected glory of you doing that. So <laughs> it was it was <laughs> somewhat narcissistic of me, I'll be honest, but I was delighted. I was delighted that you got asked. Um, in, in, terms of, in terms of what, what anybody can do to ensure that female colleagues succeed. I think other than that level playing field that we, that we spoke about earlier, the, the idea of, of removing any assumption about anybody's ability or lack of it, um, that, that, um, that negative bias that people have where they, where they make a view that, that, that somebody is not going to be capable of something because of an invented reason. I think if you get away, get 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 rid of that, and you ensure that everybody has an equal opportunity to move forward, and you take opportunities that you can do to invert that. So you you invert that that responsibility pyramid, that power pyramid. You get the younger members of the team, you get the 
the people who are who are going to fail, who are going to mess up, and you make it um, obvious that that is absolutely fine. That people have the opportunity to stand up, and you know they're not going to make a fool of themselves. They're going to try, and that's all that's really important. So you stretch people, and you make sure that everybody has a voice in part of that stretching, and you reward people for doing the good things. And then you try to play, play to people's skills rather than just looking at somebody as being a you know, marketing person or an accountant or an auditor. You get interested in what they do and you find out that hook which will make them confident of being able to have a place at the table. And I think that's one of the things which I recognize is lacking um, somewhat in, 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 in women in the workplace. Certainly it's an, at a relatively early age is that level of confidence to fail. And I think there's a huge burden um, placed or a huge expectation placed on some, uh, certainly of us, the younger teams who come through who are trying to prove something, but they can't feel like they fail. And I think if we could make it perfectly obvious that everybody fails, everybody messes it up. You've worked with me for a few years. You know that I do on a frequent basis. <laughs> it's not true. <laughs> and I think if you can do that, if you can make it an environment where people are comfortable getting it wrong or people are comfortable making a mistake in a, in a safe and non-impactful environment, they become more confident and they become more open in terms of the things that they are passionate about, that they are going to be enthusiastic about. So I think is that don't assume, let people make make mistakes, and ensure that everybody has a voice in doing so. And then when somebody gets it right, reward, you know, encourage, push, and stretch them even more. Great advice there. And you know, going back to you know your um, comments about the, the the conference, I've I've always been puzzled by um, managers who resent any kind of. Um, good experience or success of uh, the, the staff reporting into them because I've always thought that if my staff do really well, um, that of course is, is, says a lot about them, but isn't it also a reflection on me as their manager? So I'm really grateful to have had you um, of a similar mindset and um, and always thinking positively for me when I've had a, a good experience or an accomplishment or success. You were really awesome at that. Well, that, that, that's that's very kind of you. I mean, not to get into you know, quote city. There's as um, Steve Jobs said, why why employ great people and tell them what to do? You should just employ great people and have them tell you what to do. And I think that's you know that is ninety nine percent of a manager's role is to make sure that the 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 team under him can flower and flourish, and everybody gets the benefit of that reflected glory in a narcissistic way as much as anything else. But the company gets mm-hmm. the benefit of that in mm-hmm. absolute spade loads. You know, if you are presenting at conferences, it raises the profile of, of, of how the company is viewed to view compliance. If I am taking part in a wonderful podcast, it raises the profile of my position mm-hmm. within the organization. You know, my boss in, in, uh, in uh, Hong Kong is a very, very strong speaker and advocate of people having the opportunity to speak and advocate mm-hmm. on behalf of the uh, on behalf of the business. I think it's fantastic. I think it's a really good opportunity. It should be something that we build into everybody's um, personal development. Having mm-hmm. said that, <clears throat> there are people who are terrified of doing it. 
Yep. And I yep. think one, one of the most loathsome things we can do is push them into that environment. I know what mm-hmm. it's like to be nervous about getting up on stage. I've now overcome those nerves, but I could not imagine the terror that I would get if I was pushed into an environment that somebody thought was going to be good for me, but I knew that it wasn't. So we have to be respectful in doing this. But I think it should be part of everybody's career growth. If they are interested in doing something, they should get all the support of the business in doing it. Great. Thanks for that, Mark. According to Business Insider, when hiring, we tend to favour candidates who are similar to ourselves, and this is known as hiring bias, and I believe you were alluding to this earlier. I've observed that when you hire for your team, you look for people who bridge gaps, which are your own weaknesses, which seems to be a great way to go about building out a well-rounded team. How do you make sure that you do not succumb to uh, unconscious bias when hiring? I, I hadn't realized you'd spotted that, but yes, you're absolutely right. I, I do. I like to fill the spaces in the in the team with you know, the, the, the things that I know that I'm not strong at doing. And I think... So my my Achilles heel is I'm fascinated by experts, people who <laughs> who people who know more than me. Unfortunately, there's an enormous list of those people. So mm. the way that that comes out is when I interview somebody, I I like to listen in how they engage me in their expert subject. And mostly, when you talk to somebody, when you're interviewing them, their expert subject is themselves, and people who <laughs> engage you. <laughs> people who engage you in those conversations, people who get you interested in, in what they've done and how they talk about things is, is the most exciting part of, that, part of that interview process because you know that if you can get them excited about the subject that they're working on, they will be as, as, as enthusiastic as and engaging with other people outside when they have to go and present that to people in the field. So if I have somebody come in who come into my my team who I'm going to put in charge of you know, post-acquisition integration or whatever, they have to be somebody who can sell that story because it's not a particularly interesting thing to do. It's going to involve engaging a large amount of people in the team. So they have to be enthusiastic. They have to be engaging. And fortunately, you know, I have people who, who can do that. And I go through an interview process at the moment to bring somebody on board who is going to be delivering that. When I hired into the compliance team, I was enthused by people who came in who were experts, who were interested. When I first met you, I think that was probably the first time I just sat back and, and subconsciously interviewed you because I was listening to the way that you were talking over those one of those breakfast meetings you used to run. And I was thinking, you're enthusiastic about this. You understand the subject. But not only that, you engage the room in, in talking about it. And that is one of the most important things that we have to be able to deliver. And it's something which I find that women are spectacularly good at. There is something about the willingness to to project empathy, that willingness to listen, the willingness to, to understand clearly what it is somebody else is driving towards and not align, not try and align it with their own agenda or their own political spin or their own ambition there is something about that um process that is seems to be and this may be just just uh my inner myth talking but it seems to be 
something that's more present in, in, in the female members of my team than in the male members of my team, who are great and very strong, but they're very strong in other roles. And I think for the interactions with our team members outside of compliance, that empathetic touch is, is really, really key and really important. Great. Thanks for those observations, Mark. In the Me Too era, what is your advice for high-powered men mentoring female colleagues? That's uh, um, this is this is getting. I can hear the creaking of thin ice as we walk out onto this question. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, uh, I I I think. Um, I mean, it's very easy, very trite to say, behave yourself, for God's sake. Just <laughs> behave yourself. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, mm-hmm. It shouldn't be hard. Um, <clears throat> but I think that doesn't go anywhere near how deep this kind of stuff needs to happen. Mm-hmm. It needs to be thought about. If you are mentoring, if, I, if I'm mentoring somebody in the workplace who in – our current era, and it shouldn't be reflective of just our current era, but it's. It, I know that it's very high profile at the moment. But who, who, for whatever reason, feels uncomfortable, whether that's uncomfortable with me or whether that's uncomfortable with anybody else in the organisation, there should be that open channel of communication. If somebody who I was mentoring came to me and began to tell me that they were feeling uncomfortable about one of my colleagues, taking it seriously taking it deeply seriously, being as strong a mentor as you can possibly be at that moment in time is absolutely key. And allowing for any of those communications, any of that discussion to come to the fore is is crucially important. I think one of the worst things that can be done is to treat something that might feel as... A, it sounds like initially feel to be a minor issue, treat it as a minor issue because you're setting the expectations that it's not going to be hurt. Mm-hmm. I think as a, as a mentor in this environment, you absolutely need to treat any suspicion, hint, um, alluded to behavior as being serious. So you cannot imagine how I cannot imagine how hard it would be for somebody to come to me and say, I've got this problem because that is crossing the Rubicon. That is reaching out in an environment where traditionally the support hasn't been present. And sometimes in an environment where people feel that that's, that behavior has been encouraged. So it has to be done. Um, somebody coming towards me with those, somebody coming um, up to me with those kind of comments, any, any, um, any suggestion of any impropriety, you know, I have to treat it with more respect than anything else on my desk at any time. Mm, I think that's right. Um, you know, I'm thinking about your your earlier statement about, you know, it, it shouldn't be hard, right? But I remember um, being at a, a conference uh, last year with uh, two other colleagues in the industry and a beautiful friend, um, inside and out, very good uh mind on her as well she'd worked very hard since we'd seen each other last on on losing weight and the first thing I said when I saw her was oh my gosh you look amazing um have you lost some weight and and she said yes thank you so much for noticing 
And then sort of later on, I, um, you know, as, as we were discussing things, um, our, our male colleague, he, he hadn't um, commented on, on her outward appearance. And I was just curious and, and said, did, did you notice? Um, and, and he said, yes, but to be honest, I don't know what is appropriate to say anymore. And I really felt for him in that moment because I realised that, you know, very intelligent, very sensitive men who... Um, have had good good intentions and they've been left in a state of confusion now as to whether or not that creaking ice um, is is going to, you know, fully crack underneath them. And so it's safer in their mind not to say anything at all. And, you know, I think just really speaking on my behalf, I think it's, it, it's, it's a difficult one when you want to uh, compliment someone's outward appearance. And so what I have found with women is that I tend to caveat it by saying, you know, completely separate from your professional brilliance or, you know, as much as I respect um, your intelligence, I just wanted to say that outfit you're wearing today looks amazing on you or something like that. And so I, I really feel like it is um, tricky now in that we we want to always be respectful of what's on the inside. Um, and yet as humans as well, uh, there are a lot of us out there who, who are uh, very pleased if someone notices the effort that we've put into our physical appearance. So um, a, a sensitive situation, perhaps both for men and women now. Um, and it, it pays to be uh, conscious of, of how things come across and perhaps um, maybe being a little more conservative if you're not sure how the reaction will be taken. I, I think that's absolutely right. And I do, I, I hear and have heard quite a, quite a little bit of this, um, of this, you know, terrible trouble that the men are having now that they can't, you know, compliment women on how they look. Mm. I, on, honestly, I'm, I, I have little sympathy for it when I think of the mm-hmm. is, issues that have been historically created, mm-hmm. created in the workplace yep. by objectifying women's success by the way that they look. You know, mm. it, it's it's very, you know, very, very few people would come up to me and say, wow, Mark, you, you look mm-hmm. great, you lost a load of weight. I mean, maybe yes. obviously I have. I haven't. Yes. Um, but but even if I had, it would not be part of that conversation. And there's yes. no reason why that should be part of the conversation with women. I think yes. between friends, between close colleagues, yes. between people who know each other well enough. Yes. Then that's up to them. You know, that's that's their yes. friendly environment. But you know, outside of that, yes, I do have sympathy. Get over it. It's yeah. not hard. Um, yeah. You know, if I I haven't seen you in 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 the flesh for for a couple of years, if you've lost a shed load of weight, well no, done. That's awesome. Unfortunately, but I, <laughs> but, I, but I think I I think I might be able to tell you that because I I know you I know you pretty well. But I would mm-hmm. not walk up to any of my colleagues in in Germany and make any sort of comment like that because it would be inappropriate. It would be out of place for the working environment in just the same way that they would not make those comments to me. I think you've probably hit the nail on the head there. And I I think I, I didn't realise perhaps I've got a bias. I'm far more likely to tell women that they look good than I am men, uh, that I've noticed the effort they've put into their appearance, although I, I, I certainly will do both. But I think what you, you've hit on is that familiarity aspect. <clears throat> so if you're in a wholly professional arm's length relationship with someone, um, I think the context of that relationship is going to be clear, right? Like, do, have you met each other's families? Um, have you spent time outside of work together? And perhaps the more 
familiar you are and the more um, your personal lives have crossed rather than just the business side, you get a better feeling as to whether it's okay to be more personal talking about uh, someone's outer appearance with them. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's absolutely right, and I, th- I think there is a there is an expectation that women put more effort into their appearance. There's an expectation that women try harder which to sucks. look in a certain way, which does suck. And I think it, it's quite recent, as with most of my anecdotes, many of the facts are missing. But quite recently, there was a there was a US um, talk show presenter with his female co-host. She wore the same dress, I think, two or three days during the week and received, you know, bordering on hate mail from the people who are watching the channel, you know, complaining I about remember. She, she she couldn't be bothered to dress up. She couldn't be bothered to do this. Yes. He wore the same suit for a year. And nobody, <laughs> nobody made yes. any mention of it at all. And I think, you know, that is indicative, that's emblematic of these kind of issues. If you wanted to wear the same stuff to work, if you wanted to, you know, I'm much more interested and I hope that other people are much more interested in the the talent behind the dress, in that ability Mm -hmm. to capture the imagination of a group of people in that thrust to get in front of as many people as you can and share the, the passion that you have for the subject that you're talking about. I'm much more interested in that. I think people should be much more interested in that. I think we get as a society obsessed with appearance and unfortunately that obsession manifests itself much more with um with women than it does with men or much more about women than about men uh fortunately for me and i didn't think i would pass muster in in any particular shape or form but i think it's really unfortunate for women Mm. so yeah Mm. Thanks for that, Mark. I appreciate it. And I appreciate your time today um, for for giving all of your comments. So valuable. And thank you for being uh, the first uh, man on Great Woman in Compliance. I'm absolutely delighted. Thank you very much indeed for having me. It's been an honor and it's been a pleasure. Thank you, Mark. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Great Women in Compliance. We hope you'll join us in honoring the great women in the compliance field by subscribing to this podcast and leaving a review.